I'd like to welcome you to the Jed Hughes Podcast. Each episode will feature a unique leader and will delve into the qualities that inspire greatness, galvanize organizations, and teach the next generation of aspiring leaders. Jed ran the process that resulted in the hiring of Pete Carroll, Jim Harbaugh, Andy Reid, Masai Uzuri. Now, according to Forbes, Jed is the most connected man in sports. Our guest today took the Tampa Bay Bucks and then turned them into a competitive franchise and was recruited to the Dodgers and brought them their first world championship since 1988. Andrew Friedman has brought an innovative mindset to building baseball organizations, beginning first with culture and then with utilizing data in an efficient, effective manner. He hires people that fit, that can work together, and can disagree without being disagreeable. Our guest and former executive of the year, Andrew Friedman. Hey, welcome, friends. We've got a really unusual guest from the West Coast. He's going to take us through his background on how he was a baseball player at Tulane and ended up from investment banking into baseball and one of the top executives in the game today, Andrew Friedman. Let's talk about this baseball and going to Tulane and then how you ended up at Bear Stearns. I mean, how did all that happen? Uh, well, thanks for the intro, and I like the unusual uh, huh. the, the, the unusual part, and I think a lot of my path is unusual, so apt description. I grew up loving the game. As a kid, I would go to the Astrodome and – get there for batting practice and watch batting practice and try to collect broken bats and loved the game and would devour it any way I could. And, you know, obviously had aspirations of, of being a player. And when I went to college at Tulane and started going uh, there, I looked around and realized that, that probably wasn't going to happen. And, you know, you go from literally to high school and just how much tighter that filter gets and <laughs> get to college, realize, wow, I'm not one of the better players on my team. And how can I stay involved in the game? And started to really devour things uh, from a player personnel standpoint, looking at it through a different lens at that point. And even in college. That, even in even college. In college. Really? This yeah, just, just trying to understand and appreciate what made players better. Okay. And you know, different strengths that players had. And just started looking at it with a more critical eye, I think, before that I was much more focused on myself and being the best player I could be. And then as I appreciated kind of where I stacked up, uh, my focus started to shift to appreciate things about other players that I hadn't really slowed the game down enough to really appreciate. And I loved it. I loved getting a sense of what made guys tick and, you know, what made them great and uh, just appreciating different athleticisms and talents and knew I wanted to get involved in the game. Uh, after my junior year in college, I got an internship at Bear Stearns uh, Investment Banking and did that for the summer. And at the end of the summer, they offered me a full-time job for after I graduated, which was great, except for it wasn't in the field that I wanted to be in, which was baseball. So I sent out a bunch of letters and Tal Smith, 
uh, was gracious enough to meet with me. So I went down to Minute Maid Park and met with Tal and uh, explained to him, you know, what was going on and how I had interned to Bear Stearns and they had offered me a full-time position, but I would intern for the Astros. I would do anything to work in baseball. And his advice to me was incredibly sage in that he said, look, my recommendation to you is to go take this job on Wall Street. The game is changing. It's becoming a much bigger business. Uh, go do that and continue to network while you're there and do everything you can to get into the game. But having that experience will help diversify you. You played baseball in college. Adding this to your resume, I think, would really help. And so I did that and went to New York and sent countless letters to teams. And uh, after my two years at Bear Stearns, ended up getting a job uh, at Midmark Capital, a private equity firm. And all the while, continuing to send out letters and uh, even prospective owners that were rumored to be potentially buying teams, I was sending letters to. And a guy that I worked with at Bear Stearns happened to, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I got really lucky. At the end of the story, you'll appreciate that's not just lip service. I worked with a guy who went to high school with Matt Silverman. And Matt Silverman worked at Goldman Sachs. And Goldman Sachs had bought uh, an options trading company that Stu Sternberg was one of the managing partners of. He had a year lockup with Goldman. And Matt randomly got assigned to work with him. And I had met Matt a few times and gotten to know him. And about nine, 10 months in, Stu said, hey, my lockup ends in a couple months and I'd like to go invest in a baseball team. I'd love for you to leave Goldman and come work with me on that. I said, great. I also happen to know a guy who played baseball and is sending letters. (laughs) I, you know, got down to a final two. I was doing really well at the private equity firm financially. Uh, but was one of two for an advanced scouting internship with the Cleveland Indians. And I ended up not getting the job. I joke with Chris Antonetti about it. He doesn't know what the guy who got the job is doing now. But uh, so who made that decision? Was that Hart? Was that Shapiro? Antonetti? Who was uh, it? was Antonetti. I met with Antonetti, talked to him a number really? of times. Huh. Yes. Wow. Um, and I would have left my private equity job, moved to Cleveland, and been an intern. Uh, which was just how passionate I was about getting involved in the game. And so played hooky from work one day and went and met with Stu in Rye, New York. After a couple of meetings, he said, look, I've got four kids who at that time was 13 and younger. I am uh, getting involved with the Tampa Bay Devil Rays, and I'd love for you and Matt to move down to Tampa. Andrew, you work on the baseball side. Matt, you work on the business side. Uh, you know, I'm going to be in New York and really love that. It was a no-brainer for me. Wow. Packed up, left private equity firm. At that time, they were like, hey, we'll make you a partner if you'll stay. Uh, but nothing could stop me from, from getting involved in the game. And so went down and, you know, kind of the rest is history. Well, you built, you've built unbelievable cultures in Tampa and again in, in, in Los Angeles. Where did this culture building, this ability to get people together and to be able to look at the game differently. You mentioned about what you did in college, studying it. What was the turning points for you as it related to how you were going to do asset valuations of your players and so forth? I mean, you approached it differently than anybody else at that point. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it was the experience that I got in New York. 
not just in terms of trying to value different things, uh, but also how information is king and have just an insatiable thirst for information. And then the last mile challenge of how to make it make sense, how to synthesize it, how not to overweight it, how not to underweight it. And this is where the art comes in. Uh, that is one of my favorite aspects of the job of how to take all of that information and synthesize it into ways that are actionable, whether that's player development, whether that's player procurement, uh, you know, whatever it is of how to make that actually make sense. And, you know, the culture part, I think for me, so much of my job stimulation and satisfaction is wrapped up in the culture and the people that I work with. And, you know, I don't know if I've said this publicly, but, um, you know, leaving the raise, I was not flippant about the relationships that were in place. It was far and away the biggest deterrent about ever leaving and had turned down previous opportunities. So I was fully aware of it. But until you go through it, I mean, for a period of time, I would have hit the do-over button just because of the relationships. I started working here with the Dodgers with amazing people. We just didn't have that relationship built, that trust built, which takes time. And it made it so much less enjoyable to not have the relationships and the culture. And, and that just took time. And obviously we got there and couldn't be happier where I am, uh, but it took a little while. And, you know, just so much of, my job satisfaction slash stimulation comes from that culture and that environment and the people that you work with. There are a lot of long hours, time away from family. And so who you're working with and what that dynamic is to me is almost everything. The people you've developed in Tampa, I mean, unbelievable. Just when you deal with them, whether it's Eric, whether it's Haim, I mean, just the way they carry themselves and how they credit their teachings to you in terms of how you kind of set the stage and with a ringmaster of bringing all this together. So, I mean, that's got to have, you know, great satisfaction to you in terms of those people you developed in Tampa and the culture that exists in the way they're competitive in a really tough division where they don't have that kind of money. Yeah, no, it's, it's fun to watch uh, the Rays now from afar. It's great with the time zone difference. It's easy to turn on one of their yeah. games at four o'clock. Uh, you know, as I'm working through stuff. And so, you know, I've been able to follow them closely. You know, all those guys you mentioned and others that I had the pleasure of working with, uh, with the Rays are really close friends of mine and people that, you know, I appreciate the credit that they give me, but they were every bit as much a part of creating what we did there uh, in terms of that culture. Um, they were so embedded in everything we did. And, uh, it's really fun to watch them have the success that they've had. When you think about analytics, and you go back two years to the World Series and the game that uh, Tampa was involved in and where the manager's got to make a decision on he gets to a certain number of pitches and he decides to take them out. And, you know, the decision is, OK, that's what the statistics have said. We followed it all year. So I've stayed with the formula. How have you adjusted off of that since you've gotten to the Dodgers, or how do you how do you look at that decision the way it was made? 
I mean, I think Kevin Cash is one of the best managers in baseball. And so, you know, I think it comes with the territory. If something works out, you're either praised or it's like a tree falling in the forest and there's no acknowledgement of it. And things that don't work, you're in the public eye. Um, and I think the job of manager is incredibly tough um, and challenging. And things are happening real time. And there's a lot of things to balance. And I just think it's really tough. And it's I appreciate that it is much easier for me sitting in my ivory tower slash suite uh, or in the stands to have an opinion on something. But there are so many other factors that they have to think about that I'm just not. My brain isn't wired to think about it. I don't think about things as intently on a micro level in game as they do. It's their job. And so there's just so much that goes into it that I've learned to not criticize and just ask questions of people that I've worked with as manager. Um, But I think information is extremely important. Uh, Now, I think marrying that with knowing your players and their strengths and where they're at in that moment in time. And uh, there's so many variables that go into it that I think anyone who paints the paints with the brush of everything is just driven by analytics doesn't appreciate the real day-to-day stuff that goes on. And people who say, Oh, everything should be done by intuition. You know, it's funny to me in football, people are praised for being really prepared and thoughtful about their game plan. And in baseball, it's almost a negative to be really prepared. It's, it's more, if things don't work out, it's, Oh, you were too reliant on your pregame preparation of how things played out as opposed to going with your gut and intuition. I think gut is a very valuable, powerful thing, but because it's an informed gut, I think if you know nothing about something and are asked and you just do it based on your gut, I think at best you're looking at a coin flip, but when you live and breathe something and uh, devour information the way that I know the managers that I've worked with do, it becomes an informed gut, which is different than just a pure gut, um, where I think all those things have a place and a time and are really important. And I think that's what makes the really good ones really good. Farhan talked about when the two of you joined up with the Dodgers, the thing that he felt really good about was how you interviewed together every person. So you got a feel for the individuals and you really started at the ground floor of building the culture and building trust. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to appreciate and recognize, you know, the things that will be the types of personalities and people that will thrive in your culture that everyone is a part of creating. And so adding people into our ecosystem was incredibly important. It's precarious. And I think it is, you know, kind of a living organism that we're managing and being thoughtful about every day as much as we can. And so bringing people into that is the number one kind of lever you can pull in terms of either continuing to enhance it or starting to destroy it. And so the importance of who you're bringing in and how that's flowing and working is a really important part of our day-to-day. When you think about the role today that you started with and how it's expanded, whether it's on the player acquisition side, 
whether it's retaining players, whether it's on analytics, player development, you know, all the things with new technologies and so forth, it's gotten really complex in terms of the amount of people and so forth. So how have you tried to, to manage that from your, I mean, you sit at the top, you've just uh, promoted uh, an individual into the GM role, uh, but you have different divisions and different experts, technical verticals. How's that, how's that all integrated? Yeah, I mean, I think my, my view on this is further complicated by moving from the Tampa Bay Rays to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, when I was with the Rays, we appreciated what our strengths and what our weaknesses were and what our market allowed us to do and what our market didn't allow us to do as it relates to other teams. Sure. So we would kind of joke about, you know, the Red Sox and Yankees who we're competing against huh. have to dominate like if you're a doctor they are basically a generalist they have to dominate every part of the human body whereas we got to focus on the knee and know every single thing about the knee and we relished in that and and did everything we could to continue to enhance what we did and didn't pretend we were someone we weren't now coming to the dodgers we had to to be able to sustain success we had to dominate you know getting back to the generalists. Like we had to dominate on the international scouting front. They had to dominate on the amateur scouting front. We need to dominate on the player development front for us to be able to use our resources. We need to be producing players and become a player development machine to really sustain success. You look at large revenue teams who have success, all of them kind of end up, most of them fall off a cliff and they have to take years and years to build back up. So how to sustain that is a constant challenge and money alone does not do that. You know, the free agent market can be a really tricky way to try to build a contending team. It's great for supplementing. It's challenging if you're using that as the number one lever to create a contending team. And so, um, you know, it became a much bigger operation in terms of spreading out uh, focus and, you know, what we needed to get up to speed and get really good at. So those first couple of years were really challenging uh, of doing that. And now we have a really good team in place. Obviously we've lost a lot of uh, really important people over the last six, seven years to other teams. You know, I think we're averaging like 50 permission requests in off season, which is flattering. It's flattering to this organization. It's flattering to the group of individuals we have. Uh, and a number of them have left for better opportunities. And a number of them have turned it down and just said, I'm happy where I am. And I appreciate that. There's no right or wrong answer. Uh, it's a very personal way that you interpret that. Uh, but I think from our standpoint, you know, that's a constant challenge that we're facing is that turnover every offseason, that having a really strong foundation and culture in place gives us a, a better chance of you know, continuing to keep the machine rolling by introducing the right people into roles and promoting from within whenever we can. It's interesting. You're, you're in a city that just hosted a Super Bowl where the team that won it did it a little bit differently than the way you've described how you've been doing it. I mean, they went out and brought, bought some expensive free agents and competed against a team that were built from the draft up with a, with a tremendous quarterback. So as you look at being in Los Angeles, first of all, I mean, it's just getting the entertainment dollar. I mean, the Dodgers 
even when I coached at UCLA, the ability to get a ticket and, and go to see the Dodgers play was was unique. I mean, your brand is really special in terms of how it's just seen by the people in the community. And being a part of that, coming from Tampa, where they're trying, where they're struggling to get people in attendance, trying to build a stadium, I mean, that's got to be another powerful feeling and motivation for you in terms of how you work and what what drives you. Yeah, the fan support here, the passion that people have in this city for the Dodgers is incredible. And I remember my first opening day here in 2015. Uh, you know, my only experience being in a ballpark with 45, 50,000 people was going to New York or Boston. And usually when 45,000 people were happy, I was not happy. Right. And this was the first time in my career, Jimmy Rollins hit a big three-run homer in the eighth inning, and 50,000 people erupt. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm happy and all of these people are happy? And it kind of took me aback a little bit. But yeah, the passion that people have for this team uh, is incredible. And it really is a significant motivator. And the fact that they had not won a championship since 1988 and the passion and the fervor was still so intact just speaks to how true this fan base is. And so for us to be able to do what we did in 2020 was awesome and it motivates us to, to do it again. And it's been really fun to be a part of, you know, the history of this organization and what it means to the city. When you think about the people you've worked with that have helped develop you and mentor you, who would be one or two people that you would look at and say they really helped you in your career? I mean, Stu Sternberg's, it, Stu Sternberg has had an incredible impact on me just in terms of the way he sees the world, uh, how he was able to frame things, the thoughtful questions he would ask. Uh, I think early on had an incredible impact on me uh, getting to work side by side with Matt Silverman, who's a really close friend, but one of the smartest people I know also had a significant impact. And, you know, just so many others that I've picked up stuff from along the years, uh, you know, some who are now managing major league baseball teams, some who are now general managers, you know, some who are in different roles, but, you know, I love, the relationships that are created in this game and uh, try to take as much as I can from it to help grow and learn and, and continue to develop. And uh, there are so many people that I feel like have had a fingerprint in terms of how I view the world and see the world. When you think about the things you take the most pleasure in, in, in accomplishing, one or two of them in your career, what would they be? I mean, to me, it's more just this, the culture. It's more that working dynamic that is created amongst a lot of really impressive people who are spending a lot of time away from their families and uh, just that mutual respect, the ability to disagree, but appreciate that we're all approaching it from you know, the purest of intentions. You know, just having that dynamic in place is something that without it, any team success, any organization success wouldn't mean as much to me, would be more hollow. And so that's my proudest part of this is whenever I'm done in this game and can look back, I think it's the relationships. Obviously, everything we do 
stems from wanting to win championships. And so being able to do that, being able to do that more in the future is certainly a driving kind of external force. But from an internal perspective, I think just the relationships and the impact that so many people have had on my life that I've gotten a chance to work with. Well, I mean, your impact on the game in, since you've been in it has been unbelievable. The amount of championships you were able to win in your division and what you've done when you've come to the Dodgers, it's almost unequaled in the last 18 years. So, I mean, it's a really a, a special and unique accomplishment. And I appreciate you coming on with us and sharing some of this journey with us today. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on.